Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's The Upper Room. Our podcast addresses the Christian's role in today's culture. We hope you enjoy it and find it informative. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Now let's get going. Welcome back to the Upper Room, BFC for You Upper Room. I'm Andrew Kimball. I will be hosting another interview today. And our interviewee today, the person joining me, is Dr. James Mailer, elder at Bible Fellowship Church. How are you doing today? Doing just fine. Thank you. Doing good. Um, had a bit of a long weekend, huh? Uh, we've been busy trying to get some schooling in. Yes. Yep. So... Um, the, the point of this interview is to get to know you a little bit better, get some of your backstory, a little bit of um, who you are, how you uh, got to be here, I guess. And I guess we, could, we can just dive right into it. Um, we're going to start at the very beginning. Where, where were you born? I was born and raised the first third of my life in Texas, in the desert panhandle of Texas, all up and down the panhandle. Uh, my family grew up, uh, we grew up in a town, Sigraves, Texas, which nobody's ever heard of, uh, but around Midland and between Midland and Lubbock. Okay. Uh, right on the New Mexico border. Uh, then I went to college in the town of Plainview, which is north of Lubbock, and then my master's degree from up to around Amarillo. Okay. Uh, and northern part of the Panhandle. So you are in Texas for quite a while. For 20, about 23 years. Okay. Yes, the first 23 years of my life. From there, I moved to Tennessee because while I was in Plainview, I met my wife, Carol. Um, I was actually her lab instructor oh, okay. uh, in college. And there was no graduate program at the little college I was at, Wayland College, a Baptist college, where I was double majoring in chemistry and theology at the time. Wow. And um, uh, so they used the students. As lab instructors, and since I was the senior one at the time, I was the head lab instructor, and I saw this little girl come in, and we got to know each other and eventually got married. Uh, How old were you about about then? Uh, let's see. I had just turned 21. I was a fairly young student okay. at the time. And uh, the year of our engagement, her family decided to send her to school in Europe, and so she set, spent the year of our engagement in Beirut, Lebanon. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then she came back and finished her bachelor's degree in Canyon, Amarillo, Texas, while I was working on my master's degree. That sounds uh, like a lot. And then from there, we both got um, teaching assistantships uh, for our future. I was working my Ph.D. at the time in molecular genetics, biochemistry, and she got her master's degree working on it in uh, music. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's where we were for a few more years. So when did, how did you end up in Mississippi? Okay. There was, after I left the PhD program, never completed it, mm. uh, I worked to work at uh, Oak Ridge National Laboratories where the atomic bomb was developed. Oh, I was wow. a molecular biologist working on cancer research at that time for a few years as a, a assistant lab director, uh, which is high as I could go without a PhD. Mm. 
And I got frustrated with that. And a friend of mine convinced me to go back to vet school to further my research career. And I never did another day's research after I went to vet school. <laughs> and uh, my wife had family connections. Carol had family connections here over in the Biloxi area. Okay. And so I visited all the vets I could up and down the coast every time. And I ran across this little old vet who was getting ready to retire. And we made a deal and I came here oh. and uh, it kind of accelerated, but I became the owner six months later of the oh, clinic, wow. which was way too soon. But Due to his health issues, we had to do it that way. And that I will have moved here 40 years ago in July. So was that you kind of hit the ground running in the uh, vet business then? Were you yes, necessarily uh, too much so. Planning I, I, had very, I had very little mentorship, I have to say. But uh, You're kind of making it up as you went. Uh, a I bit. made my mistakes, but luckily the clientele was very forgiving at times. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're still doing that now. I, I am. And they... We have some great clients and a great group of people I work with over there. Uh, they've been nice to us as a family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're still going, and I don't have any immediate plans to retire. I just I don't know what I would do if I did. <laughs> right. You, I get that. Uh, so what about your um, your family that you, like, you you and, and um, Mrs. Mailer, Mrs. Carroll, oh, yeah. you, you have— Three children. Three children. Sarah, our oldest, was actually born in Tennessee right before we moved here. Okay. Um, and uh, he uh, grew up in Bay St. Louis, which mm -hmm. is where we lived at the time. Uh, went to college and became an RN mm. and uh, worked for a little while at Memorial Hospital. Then met a young man in Kansas and moved up there, got married, and... Uh, Eventually, they had six children, and they are now in Kentucky. Oh, okay. Um, so we have six grandchildren. Emily uh, got her uh, bachelor's degree in Vanderbilt University and that, master's that's your university. Other daughter, of, right? Yeah, well, Emily. that's her next right. daughter, second daughter. Uh, got her master's degree in Maryland in Suzuki violin, and mm -hmm. she now travels Europe. She doesn't really have a specific home. She is right now in Berlin, oh, wow. Germany. Um, uh, she travels whenever she feels like she wants to. Yeah. She teaches online through Carol Studio mainly. Okay. But uh, kind of a vagabond type roamer. Yeah. Uh, and then Samuel, our son, who was born 10 years later, <laughs> um, started college early and didn't particularly like it, ended up in the Army and spent a tour in Afghanistan and came back here and went into real estate. And eventually he's now with the federal government doing real estate mm -hmm. uh, with the Corps of Engineers. He's now married and doing very well in Texas. He's in Texas now. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. That's where you started. Uh, yeah, <laughs> about 1,500 miles apart. Right. Yeah. yeah, on the other end of Texas. Yeah, different, different part. He's down in southern Texas. Okay, yeah. And so um, he there's probably going to be some changes in his life, his life now due to the new, new administration. New administration. Yeah. His work is going to be changed, and so he's going to have some decisions to make, too. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Emily teaching through through Carol's studio. We didn't really talk about that very much, but she, she teaches music. She, I mean, I— Teaches violin online. Okay, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Miss Carol, she also like she's she been teach teaching music for fifty years, fifty something years. Yeah, uh, uh, I learned. Uh, I mean, I started learning how to play piano 
before I moved here, but primarily she was my my piano teacher all gro- growing up and, and and my brother and sister as well. Yeah, she's been teaching piano for over 50 years and uh, violin recently to work as a feeder program for Emily's studio. Okay. Uh, she's not, she doesn't consider herself a violinist, mm-hmm. but she can teach the basics of it. Okay, yeah. So that's, and she's had a lot of good competition winners, so she's doing well. I always joke with her, though, she's put out more medical doctors than she has professional pianists. So (laughs) several of her students have ended up being doctors and lawyers over a period of time. That's interesting. I wonder if there's some sort of correlation between music and higher education like that. A few years ago when I was in, I had to have an emergency surgery in Jackson, turned out the the hospitalist, the head, the the floor doctor was one of her music students. Oh, wow. Small world. Oh, yeah. She's had a big influence on a lot of people's lives. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I guess we can shift gears a little bit now. And um, when did you acknowledge uh, Jesus as your Savior? What kind of okay. give us a little bit of your, I guess, your testimony, okay. if you will. I was raised in the church. Okay. My mother was a strong Christian, and my grandmother was a very strong influence. Uh, and I was one of those people that in the church we were in, everybody, went forward when they were a certain age. Okay. But later on, as I became a teenager, I started questioning that I would really make a decision. And so I truly accepted Christ when I was 16 years old Mm -hmm. uh, in St. Grace, Texas. From there, yes, I became a Christian, but I have to admit I started exploring Mm -hmm. like so many young people did. Right. And went into the liberal theologies and— I won't mention a lot of them, but uh, <laughs> uh, I did explore the some of the esoteric and then the Unitarianism and then gradually came back around through a more liberal church and realized I didn't fit in there. And that's the point we, Carol became a Christian, uh, actually at, as an adult after we were married, after we moved to Bay St. Louis. Oh, okay. And she was an influence of me on me to get me back into reading and thinking and praying. And that's when we came to this church and found that it suited what we felt like where we needed to be. So through your your kind of exploring, you just kind of fell out of it in general? And, um, and then she brought you back around? or I was into some theologies that were what I would say today are very much incorrect. Right. Um, through the influences of the world. <laughs> right. Uh, I was in science, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that science and Christianity don't mix, but there is a certain element of it yeah. that religion is not very well respected, uh, at least in the areas of where I was mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah, that's interesting. And it took me a long time to learn how to reconcile this and realize that, no, they're not adversarial, but actually very uh, connected, uh, your beliefs in God. And what we understand is the facts of the world are not an antithesis to each other, but are totally complementary to each other. Mm. You just have to look at it from um, the Christian point of view mm-hmm. instead of from the world's, Yeah, which is— what Romans always said, the 
the people who think they're wise are going to be the stupid ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's my my version. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's your paraphrasing. Of yes. <laughs> so then now you're uh, you're an elder here at Bible yes. Fellowship Church. Yes. What what else have you done in I guess in in ministry? What throughout the years growing up? When did you or in in BFC and then outside of it? Because you've done things with uh, the Gideon ministry as yes. well, right? So I've been a Gideon now for close to 20 years, mm -hmm. uh, distributing Bibles and uh, the pathways of life, as we say. Mm -hmm. um, early on, uh, I did teach some Sunday school classes before, even before I even went to college. Mm -hmm. um, and then I came here, and our family were— this church had no music program, mm. and when we joined it, uh, they really embraced Carol and the girls as part of the beginning of the music program. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I had a help in supporting that. And then before too long, we we had a deacons program, and I was one of the first deacons okay. appointed here, along with. Uh, Mike Ball, who is now a missionary, mm -hmm. and Larry Potts, we were the three deacons okay. of, of for the, the senior elder group, who were the original elders, I believe, in the church that we were deacons under. Wow. Great wise men that we learned a lot about uh, from. Yeah. Al Ball, Ben Stanford, and uh, uh, my brain's getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> Another very fine young yeah, man who I yeah. can't remember his name right now. But uh, as a deacon, we learned a lot, and we were given opportunity uh, to minister, to teach, and minister in other ways, such as the physical plant and um, uh, witnessing. Mm -hmm. uh, the elders really encouraged that at the time, and it was uh, helped me grow at that time, which I felt like my growth had been stunted due to that 20-year drought, and that helped me uh, kind of get my feet back on the ground. Okay, cool. So, so you were a deacon for a, a good while then. If I remember, it wasn't that about four years. Okay, okay. And then, um, when did you when did you become an elder? That's kind of a funny story. <laughs> that two thousand and five, I think, in the February, I was nominated to the elder board, mm -hmm. and I was supposed to be ordained as an elder. And I had a meeting like I did this weekend, but oh, okay. it was in-house and so i had to go to nashville tennessee for oh, it wow. and so i didn't make it back in time and so we rescheduled the ordination for august the 28th of 2005 <laughs> so i'm which, guessing that didn't happen either <laughs> which if nobody's familiar with that's the sunday before katrina hit uh -huh. so eventually i was ordained uh i think it was in october okay uh, uh, of 2005 so you were you were you were officially an elder right as all sorts of crazy things started happening around That's right. here. Yeah. I was active in the church and I was nearly acting as an elder, but I was not officially right. an elder at that time. Yeah, cuz that that was about the time where we joined the church, my family, and yes. then things just we had all sorts of different uh groups coming through to help rebuild mm. and yeah, the there were different yes. faces every Sunday for a long time. Oh yeah. Yeah, your dad was the original coordinator, and when he got had to go back to work and got busy, I took over as the volunteer coordinator for, well, two years. Wow, yeah. Uh, 
because we had the visitors coming through for about two years helping to rebuild the community. Yeah. And that was a very inspirational time. Yeah. That was when we got our uh, new building as well, was in that time frame, the That's new sanctuary. Right. Uh, there was, we always talk about the miracles that occurred during that time. And yeah, the building was a big part of it. <laughs> we had some, uh, some great people from all over the country um, coming down here. Uh, and you never knew who was going to show up sometimes. Right. There were some experiences. Some <laughs> of those crews were really interesting. Um, there was a crew from all over the United States, but the one thing they had in common, they sang with the music group up with people. Mm. That was the people who did the famous song, I'd Love to Teach the World to Sing. That was the group. And they came down here and built a house over in Shoreline Park and Bay St. Louis, uh, that singing group. And they were really an interesting group of people. Uh, uh, One of them was an architect and... Some of them were construction people, and some uh-huh. of them were just people. Right. So they were, uh, that was just a good example. The crew from Alaska, we always mm-hmm. like to have down here. They were a I remember them. very active crew. Yeah. And the, the ones from Illinois, mm-hmm. you, we can never forget that group from, that were down here, I think, four times. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, yeah. From Normal, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the Kansas groups were very active. Mm-hmm. And then there were just, you know, a few kind of individuals that stuck around. I oh, mean, yeah. Like Noah and John, and, and there were a few others, Wild Bill. Yeah. Holly was around for a long time. Uh, yeah. Those ones that just, they came down and they just felt the urge to stay as long as they could. Yeah. Yeah. Bill lived on our property for mm. over a year. And that he John's was, still living on our property. Yeah. That's <laughs> Uh, he's family now, though. Right, <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I think that helped our church grow. Mm, I think you're right. Uh, at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If if you had if you had to describe or put a, put a pin on it, I know it's kind of a, maybe a tough thing to do, but if you could describe the, a spiritual gift that you feel like the Lord has developed or is developing in you, something that you feel like maybe is your calling or, Something not necessarily unique to you, but do you, you does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, and um, I was talking about this to Carol the other day because I'm yeah. not the greatest at introspection. <laughs> I, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, but uh, in the past, I was not known for my patience mm-hmm. and my forgiveness, my putting up with other people. Yeah. And as I'm getting older, I'm hoping that God is developing that in me. I know it's not a true spiritual gift, right. but it is. Right. Uh, in my case, um, I came from a fairly volatile <laughs> family. Yeah. And it took a while to learn, and I'm still learning. Yeah. How to deal, uh, not necessarily, not necessarily with other people's faults. It could be my fault in the way I'm seeing them. Right, but just handling people, I thank God in my career of having to deal with people, <laughs> uh, whether I wanted to or not. Mm-hmm. As I told an interview committee when I was applying to vet school, I've never seen a dog come into a clinic with a wallet in its teeth. You know, you have to deal <laughs> with you have to deal with the people, right, before you deal with the animal. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and 
that's also a ministry there itself at times. Mm-hmm. Not always, but there's times where people just need to sit down and talk, maybe not even about the animal, <laughs> yeah, about their life. And uh, as much as I'm not a trained counselor, sometimes I feel like I'm kind of forced to be at times. Yeah, so in, in some ways you feel like the the Lord uses your profession as a ministry in, its, in and of itself. Yes, I, I think so at times. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And to my staff particularly also, mm-hmm. who are young people who are definitely growing themselves. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. That's that's good. We've we've talked about the past, your past. Um, what about the future? What do you what do you think that the Lord has in store for your future ministry, or maybe the ministry of of the church? Or what are some things you're praying on, or looking forward to, or hopeful for the future? At my age, you hope you can go out with a bang, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, as they say, you might you might not be over the hill, but I have a pretty good view of the valley. I think is what they used to say. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm hoping that I do still am able to still have an influence over uh, the people in my office mm-hmm. or the people in the church. Uh, if nothing else, with my lifestyle. I'm not the most outgoing person necessarily as far as uh, counsel, mm-hmm. but uh, I hope that I'll be available if somebody does just want to talk or needs to. Uh, I don't feel like anybody can give another person <laughs> direct advice usually, but I don't mind talking and seeing what right what can be worked out. And as a senior member, I hope I can be like, some of the elders that I mentioned a while ago when I was younger around this church, people like Ben Stanford could tell you more in 10 minutes without saying anything uh, as far as direct advice and make you really realize where you're at. Mm. Um, Al Ball had the same talent. Mm-hmm. And the third elder was Don Sigworth, who I couldn't uh, remember his name a while ago. There we go. And, we got it. Uh, a very outgoing person just the opposite of the other two elders in, in my life, at least. Right. And I hope I could maybe carry on that tradition in some way. Yeah, that, that's a good answer. Kind of being that, that good influence for the, the next generation. Yes. Yeah, and it, I, I agree that, you know, you don't have to necessarily be like a counselor to just help somebody talk through an issue. And a lot of that's times right. that's all people need is just to be able to mm-hmm. talk it out with somebody and and if that somebody happens to be a older person with more life experience that that can be doubly helpful cuz mm-hmm. they probably probably have some answers or some experiences that they can help you out with help you see the picture a little bit clearer i hope that's the case yes. yeah yeah well that's uh, that's about all the questions i have is there anything else that you want to you want to mention or you want to say or anything that comes to your mind uh, god has been good to me he has uh Everybody always says, open the door. Well, he has opened doors, mm. but he sure slammed a bunch shut, too, <laughs> as I look. Which can uh, also be a good thing. Uh, which was a good thing, yeah. yes. As the old country songs, thank God for unanswered prayers. Mm-hmm. If he hadn't slammed the door shut to my Ph.D. program, I probably wouldn't even be here. I'd probably yeah. be some second-rate researcher <laughs> somewhere, no telling where. Yeah. Uh but he opened the doors here and allowed me to do what I what I have learned to like. Mm-hmm. Um, and the family, 
I feel like we've been very successful uh, in the community because of the family was allowed to grow, and each one of them have their own talents out in the world and doing things yeah. that I would have never envisioned uh, what, 40 years ago yeah, uh, or even 50 when we got married. It wasn't quite 50, but we're coming on our 49th. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Isn't that, well, a few months. Yeah. Uh, we were married 49 years. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I have a wife who's put up with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure mine will be able to say the same thing in 49 years. I just hope to grow old gracefully. <laughs> yeah. That's a good hope. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this and for coming on here and letting us get to know you a little bit better. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And then uh, to anybody who's listening and who's listened this far, we appreciate it. Thank you for listening. It would really be super helpful if you could share this podcast with people that you think might also enjoy it and leave reviews or ratings on any platforms that allow it out there. And we will talk to you guys next time. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today and found it thought-provoking. The Upper Room is a Bible Fellowship Church production. The opinions discussed by our guests are just opinions and random thoughts at the time of recording and do not necessarily reflect the doctrine or stated beliefs of Bible Fellowship Church.